Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. <laughs> oh, hi, Josh. Hi, Carol. How do you do? Doing great. Doing really great. Really excited about doing this episode. Oh, I'm so excited too. It's a daytime episode is always great. We like a daytime episode and I already have a little bag of coffee that I'm drinking. Mm. Yes, you know, sometimes we have to record late at night and it's just very hard, but not today. Today we're here in the light of of day. Not today, Satan. Not today. Oh, feels uh, good. Does feel good. It's just a good I just love this time of year. I love the long days. A hundred percent. I uh, thought you were going to go off again about the time of day we're recording. <laughs> I just love it being the daytime. <laughs> I just love putting the kids to bed and it's still daylight out. Oh, it, it, that is a treat. It's energizing. I love it because they don't care. They don't. They have never asked once. I I would have. I've. I'm always. Ex- I've been expecting it since they were born. That they'd be like. I'm that not they would going ask to bed. you. Yes, I'm not going to bed. When they were babies. The sun is still out. It seems like such a fundamental concept. I know. I know. Not to them. No. They're tired. No. They have such full days. I'm tired. I'm always tired. Anyway, um, that's just part of being a parent. <laughs> I'm just constantly, constantly tired. Oh, my God. It's almost worse the more sleep you get. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah. Different podcast. Um, is it? we could have a sleep segment probably every episode we could actually that would be great because if parents are listening to this which i hope they are then they can relate (laughs) i hope so too not not children no but i mean i guess i guess we have some listeners that are not parents but Mm -hmm. is it just this time of life uh no the answer is no it's having kids that makes you exhausted um that kind of gets to I feel like a little bit of news we have about the show. Yes. Yes. We told you we were going to get our act together and act together. We got. (laughs) Thank you for diagramming that sentence for me and putting it back together. Anytime. Um, Yep. Yep. We are going to have a regular monthly release date of the 13th. 13th. The 13th of every month because this is a horror film podcast and you know it's a spooky day it's for a spooky was. day it's the only consistently spooky day we get and so it felt like rather than wait until every friday the 13th rolls around <laughs> we thought a little more consistency is what you deserve and so just the 13th yeah be if you're it. scared you can listen on the 14th that's okay pretend the 13th doesn't exist but much like a floor in a mm-hmm. hotel it does it's still there even if you rename it that's right so um, we're excited about this because it gives us just just a way to plan episodes and hopefully have more guests and do fun things. So that's the plan, guys and gals that's and right. ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> so that is our... Don't forget our ghoul listeners. <laughs> 
So yes, yeah, so here we are um, with our new plan, and uh, I just have a quick little thing I'd like to talk about. Oh, okay. As far as catching up. So I'm very lucky mm-hmm. and truly- You are. Tr- well, yes. But true, true luck, because um, I realize that it is uh, truly just the hand of fate, the Manos hands of fate, that um, we- befriended another family at our school and um i mean Wu was friends with their kid in the class but i don't know what i don't know how it happened i don't remember how this happened if i just started talking to the mom and then we realized that our kids were friends too i I don't remember either knowing her knowing what i know now about her she probably did clock that and was like well i should probably talk to this mom because she is one of these people Yes. These amazing, amazing people that is a connector. She just knows what's going on in the school. She knows the teacher. I mean, she has an older child, so like she's been through it before, which is another great thing. Maybe maybe one day we'll be more like this, but she also has that personality of being like, Oh, hey, this is this is how you do this. Talk to this person. Yeah. She told us about T ball. I never would have known about Jewel City T ball. Yeah, very um very quiet, unassuming in that way, but then secretly full of information, mm-hmm. knows all the knows all of everything, very informed always and is very involved at the school, but in a non annoying way, which is somehow shocking to mm-hmm. me as well. Um, yeah. And so just we'll come out. And I think it's one of my favorite things as a loud person about quiet people is when they do tell you stuff. It's always useful. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they rarely waste air. And there's a lot of that. I feel like anytime we talk, it's like, oh, oh, great news. Like, I didn't know that. I would never have known. No, there was no way you could have known. Yeah. There's no way that there's just, oh, she helped us with camps, like with the summer and winter or the, you know, when the kids are off from school, but you still need childcare. And she was like, oh, yeah, this is how you. Yeah, the school does this and you just sign up here. And and here's where you go. And. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we would have been lost without her. I don't believe she listens to this podcast because she doesn't like horror movies, but um, she's amazing. And uh, I saw her this morning and she afterwards texted me, hey, um, <clears throat> have you put in a request for your, the teacher for first grade yet? And I was like, no, no, I Duh. haven't. Who would I send that to? And who would I choose? <laughs> who, yeah. would, who would I even request? Yeah, the <laughs> Not, good one. The good because this is a giant school and there's like five four to five teachers per grade i don't don't know how many see i don't even know do you think as a kid you were aware of who the bad teachers were i mean i knew who i despised in every grade going you know going forward i knew who i did not want to have yeah yeah yeah. i wonder how early that starts for me second grade yeah because i got the good teacher in second grade Mrs. Karras, mm. and I got a truly evil, well, she's probably dead now, so. Yeah, say her name. Um, no, I just feel bad for calling her truly evil, but she made my life a living hell, um, Sister Eleanor. And uh, yeah, it was very difficult. Um, so. Well, maybe she's burning in hell now, you know? <laughs> she's a nun. I don't know. She's married to God. <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's the wifey. Privileges. Wifey, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so as instructed, I sent this email to our beloved kindergarten teacher who just won teacher of the year, and yes. rightly so. At the school. At it. In the, a, yeah. in the city, in the whole no, in the city, no, no, but in the in the state, um, <laughs> just western U.S. Western, there's West Coast. I mean, probably she's incredible. Um, and her name is Suzanne, which is so nice. Um, Suzanne. So I sent this email, and uh, I, I, my like toes were curled up sending it and my palms were sweaty because yeah, I didn't I... know what you were working on but you're working on it for a long time and then afterwards you were like here's what do you five... think about this email uh, here's a here's a five sentence email yeah it was good <laughs> strong email there was a lot of fidgeting with with exclamation points you know mm-hmm. how many is too many <laughs> how is she gonna see through this to know it's just Oh my god! And I'm kind of dreading her response, which will be so pleasant and kind. But yes. still, I feel like I feel like I've now. I mean, there's three days left of school, but like what now, what possibly do to <laughs> fuck it up at this point? Um, we're gonna sweeten the deal though on Monday. That's right. Yes, I'm making her key lime pie ice cream. So if she listens to this show and <laughs> listens first thing in the morning she'll know here's some ice cream that you're having in an hour <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who could say who could say i don't know we get we get a ton of plays it's That's crazy true. thank you so much listeners like we love you we don't know who you are but you should leave us ratings and reviews we should actually uh, since we're at the news desk here we did get a, a really sweet review that I'd like to read. Oh, that's apropos. While you're pulling that up, I'll add, I just saw that on Spotify, they allow actual Spotify podcast listeners to rate and review podcasts on Spotify. So if you are actually listening to the episode on Spotify, you can also review us there. So please do. I imagine that helps tremendously with algorithms. I'm really embarrassed to say this. I don't rate and review a lot of podcasts that I, I listen to. It. I know. But the thing is, it could not be easier. You basically are on the, the page and you just scroll down to where the other <clears throat> where the other ratings and review re- reviews are. And it's just right there. Just write a review. Okay, what could so be easier? What could be easier? Um, here's a review that I would like to read some listener feedback uh from piper 1532 what a combo if you like scary movies and talking about your kids you are sure to love this podcast it's like having a chat with friends the guest appearances by aunt monica and those two jesses have been wonderful additions to an already great podcast ah wow well note taken we are going to try to have the probably those people back and other guests um so thank you so much for listening. Um, this week, you're in for a treat. Oh yeah, you are. I'm. I'm really pretty sure you didn't see this movie. Um, we didn't. <laughs> we we, we just did. Yeah, we we did watch it. Yeah, for the like, show. It's like we didn't. <laughs> um, that might explain my ambivalence towards it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
this movie is the turning from 2020. Mm. And well, I'll read a recap, why won't I? Absolutely. Okay, none of our favorites are here. In fact, no one we know is in. in <gasps> I know. It, it was, you know, I feel like we really scraped the bottom of the barrel here because like even Nick Reginus isn't showing up to review or to um, summarize this movie. I almost feel as it would be really impossible for me to look at reviews prior at synopses prior to watching something. But I do wish I could scan just to see <laughs> if a, if a fan favorite in. is in there, we can watch it. Maybe there is. We could probably run a script. We could probably get a bot doing that. No, you just go I'll to talk the to page. My friend Lauren, I feel like she could do that. No, you just go to the page and do Control F and just mm. find their name. Mm. Um. Well, this one comes to us from Yusuf Piskin, which seems like it should be an anagram for something. Uh -huh. I'm going to work on that. Um. All right. Kate Mandel takes a job as a nanny for two young orphans at an isolated Gothic mansion in the Maine countryside. Did you know we were in Maine? Not a chance. Nope. She soon learns that the children, Miles and Flora, are emotionally distant and unstable. Is that a pun? Stable? Anyway. When, <laughs> when strange events start to plague Kate, and the siblings, she begins to suspect that the estate's dark corridors are home to a malevolent entity. That, that summary makes this movie sound way better than it is. Yeah, sort of. So this is yet another adaptation of the Henry James novella, The Turn of the Screw. Okay. Yes. Now that was written in 1898. And since that year, there have been many adaptations of it, including an opera and a Broadway play. And one and... of the first films was a prequel, right? What's that? I think one of the first film adaptations of it was a prequel. Huh. Interesting. Well, I have, I have a theory about this, about hmm. this movie. Okay. Because did you know that The Haunting of Bly Manor is also an adaptation of this story? Also came out in 2020 on Netflix? Oh. I think now this is probably wrong, but. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. Lay it out. You've set the table. I. Serve the meal. <laughs> think because it's so bad mm -hmm. and bad in such a way that that because the ending is is the like truly truly like irreconcilably bad part like it could have you could have edited a better ending for this movie that didn't for instance not to put the cart before the horse here but the the long synopsis on imdb you know the one that's like a page long yeah ends with sorry if you came here for more explanation of what that meant your guess is as good as mine whoa yes so like it's so stupid what happens at the end that i just feel like it's possible mm -hmm. that they tried to make this movie bad 
so that more people would watch the other adaptation of it that same year. Who would have that motivation? I don't know. Netflix is a cult. Yeah. I think Netflix paid them off or something to make it a bad movie. They like shadow financed <laughs> the making of the turning. Maybe they maybe they maybe they did and then the deal went bad. I I wonder. <laughs> it does make me wish it was more popular or if it had been a because it came out I had to look this up. I had to know if this was a pandemic production. Mm. You know, if it was like we shot most of it before the pandemic, mm-hmm. but then during, we ha- we still had some scenes to shoot. We still had our insurance, so they let us finish mm-hmm. it up or something. And as a result, not great. Um, but no, no, it was released in January of that year. So, I mean, a bad time for horror movies to come out, but there yeah. always are. There's always something. See, and I sometimes disagree. You can be I, think, surprised. I think it's a cathartic thing for people. I think post that holidays. It's, I mean, it's just technically a bad time. Like it's oh, not it's when bad... you want the release date. It's like they're not. You're not putting tentpole January. horror movies out in January. February, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I thought you meant you said that right after you said the pandemic thing. So no, and so I think, but that, I, yeah, but that the... you've got this. It came out in January. It had it had the opportunity to still be something that people streamed during it and it somehow got some legs because you know we we covered quite a few of those movies on the podcast that mm. like had life at the box office or something else through drive through drive-ins mm, and whatever they're wretched. they're wretched and um this one was so bad I, I, we'll probably read some more of it later but there's this awesome chronicle review this is what 13 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes this mm-hmm. film so the one star review from austin chronicle just has the line even before what is and I can barely stress this enough. The most incompetent end to a major studio film in years. The turning makes narrative leaps that lead to disjointed characters. So I don't. we're not overstating this. It is almost worth the 90 minutes of your time just to see what is really like. I mean, it's incomprehensible. It does not make it doesn't make sense. And it's unclear what effect they were even trying to have on the viewer by producing it and that's pretty special i think that just what i what i've read oh yeah is that the the point is that like you know how okay it's easy to explain (laughs) go on (laughs) it's simple um kate basically her mom, the the nanny's mom is in a, like a mental institution and the way that they treat the mom's character and like that institution is so, it's, it's so wrong and, and problematic. Like, first of all, the mom is like doing art at the bottom of an empty swimming pool. That's right. And at the end, she's like... She calls Kate and she's like, I'm going to get kicked out of this mental institution. And then it's like panned to this like mural she's painted on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, if the people. That's going to get you tossed. (laughs) Like they gave you the instruments with which to do this art. And now like it makes no sense that um, the whole the whole character, the whole scene is just ridiculous. And it treats mental illness as this plot device that I just it really rubbed me the wrong way and then you're supposed to think that Kate 
she basically looks at the the paint the charcoal drawings that her mom sent her and she has this entire hallucination mm-hmm. of that where she goes to the lake and she finds the old nanny in the in the river and she comes back and then she has you know and then Mrs. Gross dies and all that is supposed to be a hallucination okay just by looking at her Paintings. her ill mother's art and and it doesn't make yeah it doesn't make any sense but that's that's what the the point of that is i guess but then it just ends to the point where they cut and i was like joking to you like oh credits roll and, and then, then there's this did. hand <laughs> but the hand on the wallpaper and then the, the credits did roll like it gave a beat where we thought there was going to be another scene yeah and, and then, then it was not <laughs> i mean because that hand doesn't turn into any information no no, uh, no. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy movie. Now, I've never read never. The Turn of the Screw. I've never read anything. I'm a watcher by nature. <laughs> and I find that if this is a, this is clearly a story we've seen before, um, there's other adaptations of it, obviously, but there are also, more importantly, things that just do this, a sort of gothic horror mm-hmm. in a mansion, what is a ghost and what isn't a ghost, and uh, mm-hmm. who are the ghosts and can they leave mm-hmm. is always uh, a thing. Um, but this this movie also, it was so horror by numbers, and I think it's important to recognize that the screenwriters of this also wrote The Conjuring yeah. and The Conjuring 2, yeah. which I imagine as actors, as far as like, why was this movie made? I imagine like everybody signs, even though it's not like this all-star cast, but like. But it is. It's a strong cast. It's an all-star cast. This is the kid from Stranger Things. Right. You could not get a more famous kid right now. No, that's true. And the girl from the Florida Project. Yes. I mean, that was probably, would have been probably just after this. I didn't <clears> look to see when that was. And then- uh, Mackenzie Davis. Our girl Mackenzie Davis. Who's in Station Eleven, which is huge. I mean, she was in Halt and Catch Fire, but she was also- And she was recent- in Terminator. Uh, that You know, she was mm-hmm. in a Terminator movie and stuff like that. Like, she's had- um, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's what I mean. It's a strong cast. It is okay, like... Okay, yeah, it's not Brad Pitt, but like it is yes. recognizable, especially kids. I I do feel like it's... And it's from Universal Pictures. Heard this of them. Is, uh, and, and it's from the writers of The Conjuring. And, and the director of, of... Runaways. The Runaways, yeah. The biopic. And a lot of music videos. Yeah. So you're probably expecting yeah. style. You're probably expecting... Grace. Some grace. You're probably expecting a good bit of like a firm hand on on the tiller when it comes to uh, setting something in a specific time period, like 1994. Oh dear God in heaven! Um, and what instead, <laughs> and and understanding what America looks like and where what Maine would be, and what clothes we had back then. Uh huh. This was like what mental institutions in 1994 look like in America. Yeah. And going. This movie really kind of was torturous, specifically for us, because the whole like period piece of the 90s right now is a hot button for us. Like, yeah. When when done wrong, you really. No mercy from this household. (laughs) Josh was basically like about to get up and leave uh, Captain Marvel. 
oh yeah that thing was just that was like jack fm did the music and i have my own other problems with this that we'll get to like why did finn wolfhard not have an undercut bowl cut i know he does in the show he's on the set in the 80s like they they have him have a bad haircut in the other show you know what i mean wow that's and i mean everything not not a choker in sight no uh just nothing other than this one image of kurt cobain and it's all set in the shadow of kurt cobain's suicide so it makes you feel as though there should be some connection to music to suicide to right uh, like any of these things like there where there really wasn't there was no line drawn so the the director floria sigismondi um her partner lawrence rothman scored the film and also music supervised and kind of like executive produced the soundtrack which features and put it out on their label kro records it features one courtney love like new recording and then songs from people like mitski and soccer mommy and war paint and girl mm-hmm. in red it, like stuff that is very of the moment but not covering classic songs of the 90s or even really people who like identifiably have diff- like diverse influences from mm-hmm. like what is regarded as one of the most like fertile periods of American music across genres even you know it is a weird mm-hmm. it's a it's a really weird thing to try to do like I'm all for like if you can do modern music in a period piece well those things you have to feel it like you have to understand why it's happening but it can be done to really cool or interesting effect even if it's like a big swing and a miss it still can be done interestingly yeah and this felt like it missed all of it It felt more like you couldn't afford the music you needed and so you just tried to make sound-alike versions of it rather than even going like further off into like the cheaper less utilized less well-known songs of the time period that would have also been really cool wallpaper for an estate full of walls in (laughs) ireland also known as maine (laughs) well very weird the movie was um not not great but you'll be pleased to know neither was the the parenting The parenting, not great. Parents, dead, for one thing. <laughs> R.I.P. Big miss there. Oh. Um, you want to be alive as much as you can. Um, there are ghosts also not present here. Now, I Yeah, also- they're just, they're, they didn't care to come back. But I guess it's because they were probably like good or whatever these are these are malevolent entities after all this is true and also they're clearly a wealthy family and they're still able to live in the estate and and hire full-time help and have drum sets in their bedrooms and stuff lest we forget they were born into privilege kate can you please remember that yes bubbly we can the whole time the is it Mrs. Gross? I think it's Mrs. Gross. Mrs. Gross, this uh, housekeeper. Oh, were you thinking about the Kids in the Hall reboot too? Because <laughs> that's all I could think of was which kid in the hall 
2022 should be playing Mrs. Gross. Oh, Kevin McDonald. Yes. Oh, I would watch. But wouldn't it also be interesting if it was Scott Thompson or oh Dave Foley? For, I mean, honestly, at, at first I went for, uh, went full Kevin McDonald, but then the more I watched, <laughs> the more I kept thinking, well, it could be any of them. Exactly what a movie should do. Yes. Make you wonder about who should play. <laughs> what stunt casting would you have done for this to completely undermine and derail the rest of the <laughs> Um, okay, but the parenting that we do see on screen is the governess Kate and these two kids. Now, <clears throat> the pretty much from the very beginning, I mean, she Kate has a relationship with Flora that I'm okay with in general. Mm-hmm. She's like much more, she treats Flora with respect and also like, um, you know that they have they have a very at least until Kate starts like losing it they have a relationship where Kate um it that she's firmly the person in in charge mm-hmm. and Flora listens to her and Flora respects her and that authority <clears throat> Miles comes home from school and unexpectedly unexpectedly and she the moment he arrives she becomes locked in this power struggle with him that like pretty much doing all the wrong things let's maybe play their first interaction all right who's quint he was the riding instructor he managed the estate he was the best oh and he's not here anymore he died oh everyone dies miles So, do you ride horses? Oh, uh, well, I rode a couple times at summer camp, but that's a lie. I just stayed on the horse. <laughs> I can teach you if you want. Yeah? I mean, if you can handle it. Oh, is that a challenge? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think I can handle it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a quick learner. Hey! It's the headmaster of Miles School. He would like to speak with the person in charge. Yes, fine. Am I in charge? Even because yes. I just flirted with this child. That like breaking her out of her reverie to be like, that's you, probably. Mm-hmm. You can be the person in charge and go speak to them. Is this is this is nails on a chalkboard listening to this scene again. Well, I guess from the novella, she is enamored with him. Like she has a she she loves this kid like she because she does things later on to help him and and protect him from the ghosts or whatever okay and so i think they just tried to like do a spin on that but it was so unsettling because she's flirting with him because he's like in you know high school or whatever like he's not a kid kid yeah. He's closer to her age than anybody else in the room or whatever. It's weird. But then she also, besides flirting with him, she is so contentious. She's like, is that a challenge? Like, can yeah. you imagine saying that to a child or even my nephews who are like 
you know, middle school, almost high school of I just picture myself saying that something like that to them and like putting this like you against me energy into it. Oh. It's like, why wouldn't you just say, oh, like, I could teach you if you want. Oh, that would be amazing. Like, I would love to like, I respect you as a human. I'm not going to fight with you right now over nothing. Yeah. Like, oh, she, he's trying to connect, you know, like he's trying to connect with her. And, and change the subject from Quint. True, right? true. Shout out, shout out Henry James for like naming your characters so well that they survive all these different adaptations. Because even in Haunting of Bly Manor, yes. it's Quint and Mrs. Jessup. I mean, that's pretty good. That is pretty incredible. And they're Jessel, sorry, Jessel. Mrs. Jessel. Jessel. Sorry, um, Jessup's a whole other thing. <laughs> that is a, a this podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. we, um, I'm pretty sure we've talked about Jessup before. We won't go there today. We'll see if we can track it down. Um, I was, I was gonna say it feels like she's on a bad date with his father in this, like where the the dynamic is so out of whack. Mommy or something like she's trying to where she's this because their age difference is not so is not so close that you would ever confuse them for peers, mm -hmm. even though, yes, they're closer in age mm -hmm. than say she is to Mrs. Gross, right? There's, um, let's say she's in her mid late twenties and he's 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but maybe not, he could also be supposed to be 13 in this. It's mm -hmm. really unclear. And, um, and the actor playing him is 25. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> so, um, maybe they had sex on set. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> oh, Jesus um, so there is a lot, but just that dynamic of like, I guess you could say I felt I just stayed on the horse. You know, it's like this. You're undercutting yourself, but while also saying you've had this, the um, I feel like it's very you're, you're trying to stay in their league. Mm -hmm. You're trying to stay like up to speed with this child who's a child of privilege by being like, I went to summer camp. I've had some writing experience, but, you know, not much to speak of is like that's a whole thing that has a lot of. Uh, a lot of a lot of undercurrents and then a lot of subtext and then to she winks at him and want that you can't hear i mean you almost can um yeah <laughs> um and then you 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 hear him actually getting a boner it's really weird oh my God. <laughs> yeah it, you have to listen very closely but it happens um and then I can't remember what the next exchange is about. Oh, it's it's the like you even the whole like you can teach me. Yes, it's you would not say that because that is also a power imbalance thing that you should really I feel like never seed if you're in a situation like this. You wouldn't you would never let this 13-year-old home from boarding school think that they can teach you anything. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be like their teacher and guardian. Like mm -hmm. you are not. I to me, I think that is something that like you, your first instinct should even then be about. Like, uh, show me what you can do on the horse. Exactly. What are you capable of? Some some distance between the two of you, and um, and their safety and your safety first and foremost. Be like, I'm not sure if that's the best idea, but I'd love to see what you can do mm -hmm. on a horse. Maybe you can show me sometime. Mm -hmm. You know, where like anything like that that still sets up like 
no, I'm, you know, I'm here if you need me, but to put this like, and I know it's her first gig like this, but it is. She was a teacher before this. That's it. Right. She was a teacher. And even if it was with younger kids, because she has like babysitter energy with. Yeah. um, Flora. Flora. And um, it is kind of interesting. How do you feel about the brave face? The brave face. She's like, here's what I do. I hide my feelings. Show me your brave face. Let's put it on. I was all set with that. It comes up later. Yes. For her to like steal herself. Mm -hmm. For Flora to like face her fears. But I'm just like, that was a weird one for me. Yeah, I, it is a it is a strange thing. Again, in this thing, where it always feels a little on the verge of. Well, no, I guess there is. I mean, there is some like sexual assault in this movie. Yeah, ghost rape. Besides, I mean, I even between. Um, well, yeah. So Quint is like stalking Mrs. Jessel, and and. Um, Kate is reading her her diary, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, that's also a twist from the novella. Because I guess the in the in the story, sh- Quint and Jessel are co conspirators in hurting these kids. Right, they're both evil. They're both evil, and then this one turns it so that Quint is uh, the only evil one, and she and Jessel's the victim. But even with so it's even the like if if this is supposed to be Quint sort of possessing Miles or he's taking cues from Quint's behavior towards women, he's at the very least a threatening creep mm-hmm. to Kate in this. And, at, you know, he says like he thinks your tattoo is sexy mm-hmm. and he gets into her bed. Right. He's watching her sleep. He does. Does he kiss her? Doesn't he like that's kiss a, her? With that's a hallucination. Oh, okay. Um, so By, like to... tricking her in the dark. There's just like this movie. It's just all jump scares. It's really that. Yeah. All the, the supposedly scary spart- parts of this movie are just jump scares. It's pretty yes. cheap. But this, but Miles is a creep and she should be like, I think the idea then of like putting on the brave face is extra like worrisome. Yeah. Where it's like, you have to put up with this rather than um, speaking up, even though she's otherwise Kate is otherwise quite clear, you know, like she does share pretty early on that like miles has been expelled and, you know, mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of secrets in that regard, but I do think it's a strange, the brave face thing was a little weird. Oh, I today in booze class, I did a zoom story time. Oh, I thought you meant like booze class. I was like, you took, yeah, a- I took a booze <laughs> class today. <laughs> Um, weird I take booze class every Wednesday. <laughs> I just um, wasn't thinking. Okay, go ahead. Um, in our youngest child, Boo, his class, Got I did it. a I did a Zoom story time, and they're doing a lot of Pride Month uh, activities now, oh. and talking about different family structures and acceptance and other wonderful things. Talking about the meaning of the Pride flag and all this stuff. And so, even though I had set up this story time bef- without like Pride in mind, I tried to keep that in mind my story selection and i read not quite narwhal um it which is i i feel like it's a coming out story um and but in it it talks about the unicorn protagonist feeling nervous and scared and 
other things. And so we talked about in the class, like in, during the reading, like what you, you know, things that you might do if you're nervous or scared, but still want to do something. And like being, we talked about being brave. Right. And then we talked about one of your and I favorite concepts is you have to be scared to be brave. Mm -hmm. And so like the putting on your brave face in this is much more about putting on a mask and mm-hmm. yeah. hiding and dissociating from your um, feelings or fears than it is of, I felt then about. Yeah, it's you. like instead of having this conversation, because she, she mentions the brave face after she has tried to take them off the estate to go buy a new koi fish. And they don't like flora doesn't leave the estate that's like one of the ground one of the ground rules of this movie and um she gets she she's buckled in they're heading towards the gate and then she's like no no stop i want to get out i want to get out blah 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 and miles is like stop the fucking car you know like mm-hmm. cursing at her being mean um you know just like a teenage boy would i mean there's i feel like there's room for empathy for miles too but anyway stop the car i'll fucking kill you he says yeah yes but i mean it it makes sense you know it's like you're hurting my sister basically yeah how else can i get you to stop? and so then after when she and she does apologize like i'm sorry i didn't listen to you and then she she talks about this brave face that she's worn from an early age because like her parents left her or whatever maybe just say what was making you feel scared? Like, like mm-hmm. let's talk about the fact that you, like, you what's won't leave scared? The grounds. You don't want to leave the grounds because you think you're gonna die because that's how your parents died. Like, let's just talk about it and like sit with those feelings instead of mm-hmm. just being like, let's just put on a brave face. Yeah, because another way that Kate was trying to connect, unfortunately, with Mrs. Gross and not with the either of the kids was yeah. about it's hard to grow up without parents. Which Miss Gross doesn't even bite on that piece of bait. She, I related to that though. A little, a little overshare met with uh, uh-huh. disinterest. Yes, happens yeah, yeah. to me on a <laughs> daily basis. <laughs> um, and that is something that she, you know, if instead she talked about that with Flora, like, you, you know, that I grew up without parents. My dad left, and my, you know, my mom is forever changed and is in a mental health facility. Like, could have had a conversation with a child about yeah. what that's like and but instead chose avoidance as the structure for it which is too bad and yeah and thereby learned nothing and we got to learn nothing about uh why flora stays on the grounds besides that we assume it's just too traumatic for her to leave yeah but it leaves you wondering like are, is this like are they all ghosts kind of story yeah you know is she not technically physically capable of leaving the grounds we never find out yeah, I don't think that they're meant to imply that, but I guess the no. I guess that the story is important in literature because it introduces the question. Like the story is basically like the there's somebody reading the diary of this nanny aloud to people and you're you don't really know if the narrator can be trusted mm. it, it not the n- person reading it sorry if the per- the the person who's writing the diary the nanny and i was never really clear if it's a little it's a little weird of like 
Because in the movie, it's Jessel's. It's Ms. Jessel's diary. But I think in the book, it's supposed to be Kate's. And you're interpreting it, but you don't know if she is hallucinating this stuff or not. And it introduces like basically like feminist, you know, viewpoint of like, is this and because that just didn't happen back yeah, then there yeah. wasn't you know what what you know what is this woman experiencing versus what's really happening you know um right and is there any so, reason not to to, to trust, trust that? Or, yeah so um anyway so i don't think you're meant to think that they're ghosts necessarily but like the fact that it like switches back right when they go through the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a more interesting movie, you would say, oh, are you stuck in a time loop? Are you mm-hmm. are you trapped in this estate? Are you, you know, is Flora trapped in the estate? Is, you know, is there something is about there the something gate? something wrong with the gate? Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, That's too bad. That could have been solved with letter writing to the roommate back in what I assumed was Seattle, but. Oh, yeah. County Cork. Yeah. Um, would you like to listen to another example of the power struggle betwixt these sure. uh, these creatures? Where are you going? To my room. What about your plate? What? Your plate. Are you going to take it to the kitchen? Oh, you cut the grass too? No. But Mrs. Gross prepared a beautiful breakfast for us, and it would be the polite thing to do. That's her job, right? Miles. It's fine, Miles. I'll do it, darling. You go on ahead. Come on, Flora. Let's go. It's not your job either, Flora. I love Mackenzie Davis. I love her delivery of, like, each line there. However, as a nanny, she stinks. Yeah, I do also love... Uh, Finn Wolfhard's <laughs> delivery of do you want me to cut the grass too? Yeah. It is perfectly prickish mm-hmm. and I mean really great comedic timing on on that one. Yeah. Um, she she's just very aggressive, accusatory, shameful, assuming things about how these kids were raised. Mm-hmm. Like and trying to all of a sudden choosing now to exert her authority. Right. Right. In in such a way that like no one's going to respond well to mm-hmm. that. Like I, and so bringing up so as far as power struggles go, I feel like it is it is tough. Yeah. To get kids to do what you need them to do. I'm going to go out on a on a limb. Yes. Hot take, it's very difficult. And anytime I get frustrated, really backfires oh yeah they know they can tell once they've pushed a button and they dig right back in right and even if you're like oh i'm feeling really frustrated like you gotta like please work with me here because i'm i can tell that i'm getting frustrated and we don't have a lot of time usually Mm -hmm. um they will either be enraged or start crying Mm-hmm. And it's terrible. Nobody's going to respond well to that of like, no, I'm not asking you to mow the lawn. I'm asking you to take your plate, plate to, to the, the kitchen. Sink. Like, mm-hmm. what? Um, I- but it's it's what it just keeps happening. Like she open. She just walks into his room. 
Yes. Later on without knocking, which is a bad move for a teenage boy. I would never do would that. Would not do that in a thousand years. A thousand years. You can't unsee things. Yeah. People. And it doesn't give you then much of a leg to stand on when he then walks into your room Mm -hmm. without being asked. Or even if that happened first to not then connect the dots to make a point or something. Not the most effective way to do that, but at least the fact that it just happens from both characters and it's like alarming for two completely different reasons in both instances is really uh, bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's a rare combo of bad storytelling, bad parenting in those instances um, when you're like, oh, yeah, these like they're not even connecting the dots between their own bad behavior mm-hmm. and and this because they're not being asked to do that. I, I think there's something else with that, like interaction is Mrs. Gross does go on to say it's you know, it's my it is my job basically like I'm happy to do it and don't don't do it. And I do think, especially in that kind of household, you know, if you're in a caste system in the English countryside or Maine, that you know <laughs> that that for some people that work, and she's said, she, we've already been revealed she's dedicated her life to this family. She's been working for this family for decades. And so if you are the Alfred to, <laughs> to Finn Wolfhard's Batman, um, then... You know, she it also revealed that she killed Quint, right? That she made sure that he died, mm-hmm. which is also pretty cool. But like before that's revealed, we do find like it's fair to say that if this is your job and your sole your sole purpose in life, you might actually take issue with somebody doing your job for you. You know, like there's a no, difference between their job is to raise good children. Their her job is not just to clean up stuff. No, I'm saying Mrs. Gross in this instance where like. Kate, she, my point is that Kate and Mrs. Gross never. We have Kate a conflict never, of interest here. Kate never deemed to ask Mrs. Gross if she'd like help cleaning the kitchen. If there's ways that she could help with parent, you know, with like or with just, some of these household yeah, chores. Yeah, a or anything simple else. conversation of like, hey, like the kids should probably learn how to clean up after themselves. How can we work together to do this? Exactly, because instead you then have the worst thing we know of in parenting is when you send divergent messages out loud in front of the kids where it's just like where you say clean it up and then the person says no it's fine i'd like to, i'll do it and it's like well then yeah i'm obviously not going to do it then like if right. i get this you've already given me the permission structure to get out of this and um and that if and i think that along the lines of yeah like the conversation to have um that you had mentioned like yeah just like how can we work together to do this Another one of our favorites is also you lead by example mm-hmm. is instead of making it if so, because then if if one of the kids wanted to take issue with your clearing your own plate or if Mrs. Gross said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll I'll clear the dishes, mm-hmm. you know, then you could say like, no, I'm happy to do it. You prepared this wonderful meal. It's the least I could do. And then you proceed to the kitchen with your dishes. Mm-hmm. You have you've done your job. You don't then need to force the kids to do it. They see that it's possible to to right. show gratitude by uh, reciprocating mm-hmm. some effort back towards the person who did a nice thing for you. You don't have to make them be performative or right. do something they specifically have never been asked to do. And I think that that is like it, it's really it can be hard for us real parents to remember in the moment. But it is it's an effective tool that 
you know, can really, I feel like we, we, you see it show dividends in strange ways. Like when you, I feel like in our house, like when you do leave the kids to their own devices mm-hmm. and then you hear them saying like, thank you. Or like, Oh, great job, boo. Like you hear mm-hmm. that little bit of like encouragement or them cleaning you, you come back to the table and they've already put their plate in the sink or something like that. That it's, hasn't happened to me yet. Has that happened to you? Yeah. It's happened every once in a while. It's very okay. rare. It's still, I but mean, it's this, happen this is still yeah. early days, but where like, it is just the kind of thing where you notice that, and you also then don't make a big stink when you're left to clean up the table. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's all right. It doesn't, I have to, it isn't that big of a deal. So like Mackenzie Davis chill. This right. isn't the, this isn't the hill to die on, you know? Um, that's yeah. I, I just, it is a, it's a, the whole thing is very, is very strange and she should really always remember that. The children are very special, Kate. They're thoroughbreds. She went to acting school to say thoroughbreds like that. Thoroughbreds. Ooh, good. Mrs. Gross was great. I mean, she was solid. Yeah, she was good. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. There is one other thing I need to talk about with regards to this film overall, as it is a landmark motion picture for us, and that should not be buried. Oh my god. In the weeds, along with our personal thoughts or feelings about it, because there is something that is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unimpeachably true. And that is, this is our first appearance of both creepy kid art and creepy mom art. <gasps> I, 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 I yes. mean. Uh, yes, there's creepy mom art. That is not creepy and no. creepy kid art, which is not scary. No, this, no. This one had horror by the number. Like now we can get back to our subjective opinions about this movie, which is that uh, nothing about it was scary. And it also just had horror by numbers. It yeah. had all of the not only the gothic horror tricks, but like it had a shed full of antlers and saws and stuff mm-hmm. uh, you, you know like jumping into the lake finding a dead body yeah labyrinthine tunnels <laughs> under the house yeah. a creepy basement uh the maze like, yes oh yeah a hedge maze that's <laughs> that's your that's top of the gothic horror bingo pyramid. <laughs> yeah, that's the is, middle square that's the middle square of gothic horror bingo oh my god hedge maze yeah and you know not to mention nightgowns Oh, so many flowy, flowy robes. Perfect for 1994. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just why bother? But anyway, all right. Yes, there was creepy mom art. And if she just hadn't been in an asylum, like maybe, like, can you just... She could have been in a day home. She could have been... If it was just untreated, if it was just, yeah. oh, like, m- like my mom's eccentric, like, mm-hmm. she, or she has some sort of, like, the gift or whatever, or something. I mean, it would have been kind of cool if they all lived, if, like, she lived with her and was like, you know, I'm actually going to move. I have a job opportunity yeah. instead of the pointless roommate. Yeah. Like, I've been, I've been taking care of my mom. Yep. But she can't actually survive without me. And then maybe she says... I could make a lot more money doing this governess gig mm-hmm. than I could 
it as will a pay teacher, for, it it'll will pay, pay for, for care. Care, and then you have a reason why she stays. Yep. Because I'm sorry, I'm just not buying this. Like I made a promise to Flora that I wouldn't leave because my parents left. So that's right. That's how she talks in the movie. It's that's so weird. <laughs> Only when she talks about Flora does she do that little lilting Southern bill. <laughs> All right. I got a question for you, Josh. Oh, no way. How can you ask me a question like that? How can you ask me? I'm your brother, and you ask me that? Wow. <laughs> question of the month, I guess we should call it, really. Question of the month. Turn that W upside down. Here we go. All right. So in this film, Flora does not want to leave the estate for traumatic reasons that have to do with the death of her parents. But she has created this rule for herself that she does not do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were a child, did you, and your siblings maybe, did you have anything that you decided was either bad luck or off limits or just something you did not do. Oh, because you had some sort of mythology. I mean, I feel like people have this and it can get kind of weird. Let me count the ways. Okay, go for it. Gosh, I really am trying to think of where to start. Um, Chronologically, alphabetically. Yeah, I, hmm. I guess the two that come to mind are uh, the, I used to not, I used to bite my nails a lot. And I'm glad you don't do that anymore. No, me neither. As an adult, the reason why I stopped, well, we can backtrack a little bit. I, as a kid, used to want say I wanted to be a chemist because I really thought being a chemist was being a wizard and you just like made <laughs> potions. I um, mean, it's not really all that different. And so I used to like to mix together just like shit from under the bathroom sink. Right. And then show it to people or say that it did certain things. Yeah. Um, And I thought that that's what chemicals, I associated chemicals with like cleaning solutions and poisons and stuff. Sure. And... At one point, I believe in like the fourth grade, we had a like a guest speaker come to the, our school, and I'll never forget. He said he just said because this is all I remember from it. He just started out his his talk with like chemicals. Chemicals are all around us. They're in the air we breathe and the water we drink. Of course, what he meant was H two O is a chemical. Mm. O two is a chemical. Mm. I took it. As there were poisons in the water and in the air we breathe, whatever else. Ugh. So I immediately, I probably had my hands in my mouth at the time, <laughs> took my hands out of my mouth. I used to like hold my spit in my mouth thinking I was going to poison myself if I swallowed it. And I'd Aww. spit out like big mouthfuls of spit. Oh, um, and I did that for, I don't really know how long, but it did stop me from biting my fingernails. Okay, um, that's so, good. So that's one. And then the other one, I feel like there there are ones that are a little bit more kind of, oh, I'll get, yeah, okay, I've got two more. One more is that when I was a kid, um, I went to summer camp and there was a, 
camp counselor named Josh also. Um, and the camp counselors would stay all summer. Mm-hmm. Campers would go for a week or two. And I remember one summer finding out that camp counselor Josh's parents had died. And they died picking counselor Josh. They were on their way to pick him up for his birthday. Mm. They were going to take him out for his birthday. And it was a rainy day and they got in a car accident and Mm. both were killed this is already a better story than the turning go on yes and but as a result it just meant anytime my parents just major separation anxieties yeah after that exactly anytime my parents left the house i was so then the superstitious part of it was like well a i would there was a while where like scream bloody murder if they were leaving. I didn't but, like sometimes I didn't want to. I'd run back home if I was walking to school and be like, I can't go to school if I leave. if I leave, you're gonna die. Right. There there started to be just certain things you'd wait to hear. Like I I think now like do our kids know the sound of our car engines as opposed to other car engines because mm-hmm. that was something too that you got to know totally because without cell phones. Oh, I can like hear it now. Yeah, like you just know the sounds. Like okay, they're. They're home. Mm-hmm. They're gonna come in the door, and I can go to sleep now. Because that right. was it. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't fall asleep until right. they were back. Um, if they like went out or something, which is also like that's a nightmare to think about. Now our kids staying up just like in their beds, like awake until like eleven o'clock, just being like. Um, <laughs> and then a more modern version of it is, um, I like the Celtics basketball team. Mm. Uh, I have a T-shirt that I'm pretty sure I've only worn when they lose games, and so now I won't wear the shirt. I just yeah. decided like a week ago that I won't wear the shirt. I yeah. Their last, their second to last lost, I wore the shirt. Yeah. They can still lose when I'm not wearing the shirt. They only lose if I wear it. Right. There's a lot of sports um, yes. superstitions. Yeah. I feel like um, most, you know, most of these things are based in like anxiety, fear. Um, and like there's, yeah, all mm-hmm. superstition pretty much. Um, yes, none of those things are connected to reality. Right. It's just, yeah, unknowing or fear or whatever. But that doesn't stop me from being very hesitant to even talk about the big one from my childhood. <sighs> I like this because even saying it out loud is sort of. It's just going to. I'm afraid. It. Yeah, I'm just afraid for the rest of my day. But sorry. I, Aunt Monica, I'm going to talk about this right now. So if you want to turn this off, I know she's a listener. Three. I'm not going to play the song. Don't worry. One. Oh, go ahead. So yeah, we have like a bad luck song. And I cannot remember where it originated. I probably should have asked Aunt Monica before the show, but impossible. Impossible now. That's right. Um, But we connected the dots somehow. I, I think it must have had to it had to have been linked to like our grandfather passing away or Mm. or something or major major events but it is the greatest love of all by whitney houston Mm -hmm. and every i know this so i am not feigning (laughs) surprise but because i remember putting it on one time it's even like a cover of it or something and you were like gotta turn turn this off and i was really like okay secrets like Okay, it was one of those like, whoa, okay, something has happened yeah. here and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I really I feel like it just was something that we decided. Mm-hmm. And then of course then you're going to whatever logical fallacy that is of like after the fact being like and that mm-hmm. song played. So I knew. 
Yes. Something was going to happen. And, you know, we grew up with our mom talking about having premonitions a uh. lot. And it wasn't until very recently that we talked about, or my sister and I talked about, my mom still has premonitions, but we're just like, that's just anxiety. And basically, like, your fear coming true doesn't, like, prove that you were, you know, had some sort of psychic ability. It just means that you're having crazy, irrational fears all the time. And not, not to say crazy, but you know what I mean. Like, you're having irrational fears all the time, and you just happen to sh- to luck out. <laughs> Every once in a while, the the coin lands tails. Or right. It's like and you're, you're like, going, see? See? Yeah. Told you. I knew something bad was going to happen today. And you're like, no, you always think something bad is going to happen today. Right. And most of the time, bad things don't happen, but you're ready. You are. Yes. You've got that chambered for when a bad thing does happen. Right. I'm also pretty sure there are more things, but I will let... Aunt Monica come through with those. Um, but otherwise, listeners, other listeners, please yeah. let us know. We'll put we'll post a thing on, on Instagram um about what your childhood superstitions or just mythologies of you know, things you and you slash you and your siblings decided were true and you still kind of like can't let go. Yeah. Or you have let go, like Josh has overcome his fears. I've overcome my except fears for the Celtic. Sure. parents dying i've supplemented that with this t-shirt yeah <laughs> no, it's fine <sighs> shall we rate this movie oh yeah let's rate it amazing how many disembodied hands <laughs> do you give this movie out of five? Oh, i give it one disembodied hand woohoo which is funny because the Austin Chronicle gave it one star, and I'm here giving it one hand. Huh. huh. And a five. Five points on a star. Five fingers on a hand. Never did. <laughs> it's all connected. Wow. What about you? How many disembodied hands do you give this? I'm going to go with one as well. And it's really because I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of good people involved in this. It shouldn't have been this bad. And that's why I believe instead my conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix dark money. <laughs> I love this. Paid off the editor. Oh. The film. I don't know. Haunting of Bly. bad. Haunting of Bly Manor did great. Ad has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. This has 3.8. I mean, is it the dante's peak volcano thing like did they both just chase this adaptation at the same time yeah and one of them just struck out hard maybe they even rushed production mm. and that crazy ass ending happened because <gasps> like we have to beat them we got to beat netflix right. in the punch we got to push this up yeah that's true that's more plausible I'll give you that and netflix is like do it <laughs> <laughs> they had some ritualistic cult culty shit going on to force the hand, the disembodied hand of that editor. Okay. Anyway. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. Um, okay. Well, shall we rate the children then? Mm. Okay. Um, all right. How many years out of 1,994 do you give the children? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
I was so invested in this movie. That was the first time I've ever written down what I'm going to say for our ratings <laughs> scale during while watching the movie. The answer might surprise you. <sighs> Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it. The eight, children. The humans. 1,898. The year oh. this movie was <laughs> Wow. Which is a high score because let me tell you, Brooklyn Prince was the best thing about this movie. Oh, She's yeah. so good. And mm. if you if you haven't so if you haven't seen the turning, do not just go watch the Florida Project instead. That's my advice. Because mm. she's so good. She's basically like just a real kid. And yeah. that's also tough to do. It's tough to do that convincingly. She she does that convincingly in this movie as yeah. well. Yeah. And Finn Wolfhard, great. So mm-hmm. great. He's turning into a really good actor. Like the Stranger Things, you know, the setup of that, all of those actors, they all kind of there's there's um there's a melodrama to that show. Yes. And so I think it could be hard to break out of. Like um, totally, Dustin, the kid who doesn't have Has his front teeth a, yeah. for a while, he's gonna be just fine. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's, he's gonna host some some funny show. Yeah, he's gonna be fine, and he he's awesome. I really love him, but it might be difficult to break out of the the role of Dustin. Whereas, yeah, he'll be invited to Hollywood parties for a long time mm-hmm. and various spring break events. Mm-hmm. For decades, based on being Dustin yeah. from Stranger Things. Yeah. So, but I, I think that for, for Finn here, it, it's very possible to, like, I think he, he's getting his chops, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's got it. He's special, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, he's um, a special kid. Yeah, because in this, he seems like a threat, and that is hard for... Mm-hmm. And you also feel sorry for him. Yeah. Yes. And that's true. There are those moments still where I'm like, oh, that was actually still funny or like that was sweet. Like I do see where mm-hmm. you're being just trying to be a brother or, you know, and like in a way that doesn't feel disingenuous to the character. It is creating that character because I can't imagine. I, I think those it's it's unreasonable to ask those turns mm-hmm. of a kid in a movie like this, like to have them make those emotional mm-hmm. swings back and forth. And sometimes like it really is on a dime. And I think that that's, um, but they did constantly. Um, and that's very special. So well what's done. your score then? I don't think there's any number I could give that's better than 1898. <laughs> Good. So why? Why try? Why try? It's my motto. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Do you know what my motto is? What is it? Don't be a creep. Ah! Get in touch. You can email us at mummyxdeady at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeady, Instagram, mummyxdeadypod, or you can visit us on the internet for show notes and more at mummyxdeady.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And hey, tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding looks great in pale makeup. Bye!
Is that a joke? No, no, not a funny one. 